Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you have had a good day. I hope you started off uh, with a sense of enthusiasm in your day and you had a chance to uh, have quiet time with the Lord this morning. And I also hope you had a chance to be salt and light in a very troubled world because that's what we are facing every day. And we are the ambassadors for Christ and we need to continue to encourage one another to go out and uh, find out that we are, in fact, uh, making a difference in the lives of many. So, let me start the day off by uh, introducing Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, and also the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, welcome. Prestigious indeed. I'm I'm pre- well. I've, it's a big day. For, I've decided today, as officially a today, uh, I have begun work on my second million because it looks like that first million is not going to happen. So I thought, <laughs> I hear the second million is always easier. I thought, why so am I why am I beating one. myself up? Let's just work on that one. Yeah. Let's just make it easy. Now, well, I th- I think how are you? I think that's wise. I'm good. I'm good. good so good, good. we were chatting over the weekend, and some author said something I thought uh, interesting, and I think you found it to be interesting as well, and that is this. Everything that needs to be said has already been said, but since no one was listening, everything must be said again. Yes. It's just a nice twist on the there's nothing new under the sun um, you know, I know we, we often talk about you know, that, that, that every decent self-help book is just paraphrasing biblical passages. You know, somebody saying, you know, I think I could say that in another way, and maybe nobody will recognize where it comes from, and, uh, you know, I can go on a book tour, I'm not sure. But it's, <laughs> it's you know, I, th- I think, didn't we go through, I don't know if we did it on the radio, but I think one time we had a discussion about the seven habits of highly highly successful people, and and that would be habits, not hablets. Hablets, um, yeah. Hablets, yeah, but the hablets as well. But uh, they're, they're biblical principles. Yes, they are. Really? I think, I think yeah. the author, Stephen Covey, admitted to it also. He says these are just biblical principles he's packaged. Oh, Which he is says a great so book, now. By the way. It yeah. is a great <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't believe he's around anymore, but yeah. So, yeah. you know, right about the time, as you get a little bit older, right about the time, you, you would like to be an expert on something. You know, I start to realize that I have more questions than I have answers. You know, I, I think on the other side of that coin, too, is that lifelong uh, condition called pride, where I don't like not knowing. I don't like it when I have to say, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. It makes it worse when you you know have a, like a public platform um, where it's comforting when the host uh, more times than not says he you know he knows rather than he doesn't know. <laughs> yes, but I always feel like I'm I'm always smallest when I'm standing at the foot of the cross, and I I believe I'm at my best when I'm when I'm just humbled to serve, and I know God wants obedience, and every day is a reminder to talk to myself, not listen to myself. So speak truth to yourself. Yeah, and maybe you listen to other people too. How about oh, no, that no, idea? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. the old classic. You know, when you talk, you repeat what you already know. When you listen, you learn. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
But of course, it doesn't make for great radio if the two of us just sat here and listened. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, they'd say, well, I don't and, know what they're doing, but they are sure learning a lot, those two. <laughs> yeah. And you sent so. me another interesting quote over the weekend, too, from Archbishop uh, Fulton Sheen. And do you have that handy? Do you want to read that? Yeah. Wait, hang on. I, I have to find it again. Make sure oh, that I, I don't it. go to the quote by Martin Sheen. Although he said many <laughs> wonderful things, too. I think he's. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, here it is. Archbishop Sheen. Fulton Sheen. The devil appears as the representative of good. No one does evil for the mere sake of evil. Evil is done for the seeming good that is in it. The devil knows that we are not so depraved that we want to do evil. Uh, and there might be some rare exceptions to that. There are some some people that uh, might you know actively seek evil, but uh, it, it, I don't know what that saying was, and I, I don't know if it's, um, oh, who said it? It might be a C.S. Lewis quote uh, about, you know, some of the greatest evil is done under the intentions to do good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the, this is for your own enemy, good. Yes. Yeah. The enemy is certainly interested in uh, representing himself as good and letting us make horrible uh, choices um, and then we all of a sudden realize that we have been lied to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. When somebody creates their own religion out of the fragments of whatever religions they've been picking uh, out amongst, it is amazing how uh, they're—and I'm, I'm talking about myself here. Anybody else who uh, wants to play along may as well. But uh, if you were to pick and choose, you'd say, isn't it convenient that the things that I happen to like to do— are just super duper okay <laughs> with the God that I've created here. Uh, it's it's not calling for not just not calling for any kind of sacrifice. It's uh, it's such a custom made religion, and uh, you know it's uh, it's it's easy to deceive yourself. Um, you know, I mean, how many times do we hear people say the phrase, you know, the Jesus that I believe in wouldn't, mm-hmm. and then fill in the blank. And you'd say, okay. Uh, well, let's go to the good book, and maybe we can find if he said something on that particular topic or not, since you see, seem to be so interested in what Jesus said and what he calls for and doesn't calls for. And usually that's the end of the conversation. I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. you've noticed that. You said, I'm glad yeah. you're interested in what Jesus said. Let's check into some of these other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's always important to make sure we are meeting a God on his terms and not trying to have God meet us on our terms. That's one of the biggest mistakes people make in their search for uh, spiritual truth is they they want to cut a deal right from the beginning. I I'm, I'm, might be interested in becoming a Christian, but here are, here are some of my requirements, and that that's a waste of time. Yeah, some people call them stipulations, right? <laughs> right, right. It's a con- right. contractual— I've got a couple of conditions— Couple yeah, conditions. Some conditions, some negotiations. Are there a few things here we can talk about? Not yeah. too many. Yeah. No, I'm a big, a big, big fan of uh, going to the source and saying, okay, I, I guess there is one way to find out, you know, what I should be doing in a situation. There are, there are two ways. One, most likely, it's not going to be what my heart, uh, not in my heart, but the, that part of me that wants, wants what I want, the selfish part of me wants. Most likely, it's not going to be that. It's going to be something mm-hmm. else. Or I could just consult uh, with uh, God in, in prayer and, uh, oh, look at this. How convenient. It's written down. <laughs> you know, so I could yeah. maybe pop this open, ask somebody. Yeah. 
So I'm, I must commend you on a lesson you taught your son over the weekend, uh, trying to um, re- uh, retrieve something that got lost. I think there's, there's some principle here that we can talk about, but I did find the description of what you did quite funny. Now, granted, this is a situation, this could have gone many ways. <laughs> it could have gone haywire. But um, so we, we do these things now we call the kid in the cul-de-sac uh, because uh, apparently my son, every activity now takes place in the cul-de-sac. My driveway ends in a cul-de-sac. So uh, he goes down there because he can fly a drone down there. He can um, uh, throw airplanes. He loves to throw airplanes. That's where we do all of our telescope work because it's clear and we can avoid the trees. And so I, it seems like uh, for many hours a day, there we are in the cul-de-sac. And uh, so he's been really getting into some you know, throwing airplanes. And I found these styrofoam airplanes that are uh, really fantastic. So we went and we bought them a couple yesterday. and. Uh, Every now and then it gets stuck in a tree and we we get like a rake or something and get it out. Well, he got a new one that really flies great. Boy, Dad, this thing really flies great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's stuck in the tree. And I said, where? He said, I absolutely have no idea. Well, the tree's 50 feet tall. And uh, we can't find it. And we eventually uh, get out a pair of binoculars (laughs) to look at the top of the tree. And about, oh, 80% of the way up. There it is, lodged in the tree. I said, I don't, I don't have anything that goes up 30-some-odd feet. And then I thought, <laughs> hang on a second, maybe I do. So uh, I have this, it's called a roof rake. It's a, a pole that you assemble. It has those push-button connectors like the old vacuum cleaners when you attached all the tubes together to get under mm-hmm. the sofa. And uh, it has four sections and a shovel on the end of it. Uh, so that you can shovel the snow off your roof and get it out of areas where it might freeze up and then drip onto your front porch like mine does, creating a nice little ice skating rink right by the doorbell where the packages are delivered. So not wanting to end up in court, I uh, I rake my roof and I assemble this thing uh, and I get all 20 feet of it put together and it's not enough to reach it. So I take the shovel part off and I go and I get a six foot. My son at this point is giving up on the plane. He says, it's, it's okay, dad. It's okay. He says, no, no, no. Yeah, well, this is a lesson. You, you know, don't give up. Don't give up. Winston Churchill never give up. <laughs> now you're Winston Churchill. Okay. Keep the story. Now going. I'm Winston Churchill. Well, you know, I'm the hero of every one of my stories, as you may know. <laughs> So I grab one of these six-foot garden poles I used to prop up my raspberry bushes, and I tape it to the end. Now I'm at 26 feet. It's not enough. And I try jumping, so I get another six-foot pole. Again, my son has just about given up. We're, we're a good hour into airplane retrieval at this point. I attach another six-foot pole. I now have 32 feet of pole. I don't know if you've ever tried to, tried to get a 32-foot pole over your head to pick something out of a tree. It is a bit on the unwieldy side. So I have to cross, I have to stick the end of the pole in the curb on the other side of the street and start walking across the street, hand over fist, until I now have a pole sticking straight up in the air. And then I have to walk back across the street and try to fish through a tree to get the wing of the plane and flick it out of the tree. In the meantime, it's a pine tree, and of course, it's an evergreen tree, and all the needles are falling down, so I, I need to protect my eyes. And I finally flick it, and it comes down, and <laughs> I forgot to mention this. It comes out, and it goes right back into flight, 
sails around, does a loop-to-loop, and goes right back in the tree. <laughs> but fortunately, this time it was only about 10 feet up, and I was able to get it with just a, a short section of the pole. And, of course, my son's very happy with this. When I'm in the middle of the process, a neighbor drives by and says, plane stuck in a tree? <laughs> yes. And he wants to have a conversation as I'm wielding a 32-foot pole over my head because I, I actually needed to get approximately 37, 38 feet up in the air is about how high it was, we figure, at the end of it. We finally get the plane down, and I'm, I'm, I'm of course, very proud of myself. I know what you're thinking to yourself. You're going, was it worth it? <laughs> well, I'm thinking five ninety nine plane just go buy another one it was a five dollar 99 cent plane but mm -hmm. I, I didn't tell you one of the other details when we went to the store earlier that day to buy the plane i said let's buy two in case one gets stuck in a tree <laughs> so let's talk about the moral of the story the lesson uh that you learned but let's do that after the break Patrick Albanese okay. is my guest, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. As we get our Monday started with a little bit of a lighter note, we'll be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. That walk-up music belongs to Patrick Albanese, my friend from the great state of Iowa. So, Patrick, before we get to this lesson that everyone's waiting to hear, let, let me just mention a couple of um, uh, famous quotes by, because yeah. I know you had sort of mentioned Churchill, he said, yes. success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. And another one I love is, do not fear failure, but rather fear not trying. Well, I have to hand it to you. You were definitely trying, and you didn't give up. So let's talk about the lesson that you uh, taught to your son fishing this plane out of the tree. Uh, Dad's a little bit uh, crazy at times. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I, I wanted... I, I, you know, let's let's not exhaust it until, you know, let's not give up on it until we've exhausted, you know, let's go back. We had we head back into the house. I said, sometimes you have to think about it. Think, what what do we have available? You know, what's what's at our disposal? Can we make something big enough to get up there? Can we get on something? Can we rent a cherry picker? <laughs> 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 Which I think, you know, the, the $500 rental to save a $6 plane might have been excessive, but another good lesson. Don't don't do this. Don't ever do that. Um, but uh, you know, I, I it it it's a it's a cheap plane. Um, I I just wanted him to see that I was making every effort because uh, you don't want to give up easily. You know, wasn't mm -hmm. that one of Churchill's things that wasn't he you know tasked with giving a commencement address once and he just came out and said never 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 give up and then he walked off stage. That's exactly right. I think mm -hmm. that was the extent of the speech. Yeah, which feels mm -hmm. like giving up. <laughs> you know, I couldn't really come up with much. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I, I don't think I was feeling Churchillian. Um, I just, I get stubborn. You've, you've known me for a long time, and so uh, there is a, a streak in me. It, it sometimes 
can make my wife a little bit uh, crazy, but she's finally learned to live with it. But I sometimes I get on a task and uh, I look at inanimate things and say, I will not be defeated by an evergreen tree and a $6 plane. I will not. That's not how I'm going down. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, I think I was building the deck in the backyard and I was just trying to dig holes and I didn't know how to dig the holes for the posts. And so I made a lot of mistakes. And I, the only thing that kept me going out there is, is I will not be defeated by a 42-inch hole in the ground. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't go down swinging <laughs> like that. I just, mm-hmm. I have to win. So I, I don't know. Is is it a good trait? Uh, you know, I suppose. I, I you know, I, kids these days, I worry, give up too easily. When I was a kid, I did uh, until... You know, my dad kind of spurred that in me. He said, well, you're not going to give up now, are you? You're so close. Well, How does that fighting words, go? aren't they? They are fighting words, you yeah. know. Uh, you know, the, uh, the the man who thinks he can, can. In fact, you sent me a quote like that. Wasn't that Henry Ford? Yeah, it was Henry Ford. Yeah. yeah what did whether he say? Think he you, said, uh, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. And then somebody said, can I have a car in red? And he said, I think not. <laughs> didn't he also say you could have any color as long as it's black right that was him. Right. so uh and tom no, thomas it, edison yeah. said the three great essentials to achieve anything worthwhile are first hard work second stick to and third yeah. common sense well and i know i've it's probably been a while since i've done my favorite little poem uh, that my good friend Craig uh, gifted me with when I was just a mere teen. And it haunts me and, on every task, but it gets me through it. Uh, you know the old, uh, if a task is once begun, never leave it till it's done. Be the labor great or small, do it well or not at all. Did That's I just, really I good. Just, you, yeah. I, I uh, you know, it's the the old think you can poem. The the the, the person who wins is the person who thinks they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the original version of that poem was: if a task is once begun, never leave it till it's done. Be the late, and then they stopped right there. They just didn't finish. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, that's that poem. I recite it, 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 it comes into my head every day. It's, uh, you know, whether I'm, you know, going to the gym, it's like, well, finish your workout. You mm-hmm. showed up, you know, you know, you know, my, my health philosophy is pretty simple. Wake up, sit up, get up, show up. Mm-hmm. And then if you got some energy, push up, pull up, chin up, you know, it's, right. it's a very uplifting program, so to speak. But uh, I, I, I'm always trying to get to the next I say, if I can just get to the next step, then I know that once I'm there, I'll talk to myself and say, well, you're not going to stop here, are you? Keep mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. That's you uh, speaking to yourself, not listening to yourself. So that's a good thing. Yeah. I talked about that yeah. earlier in the first half of the hour, if you were listening, which you might not have been, but that's okay. No, I heard it. I did. <laughs> I did hear it. And, and I love it because, you know, it's, you know, I do have that negative part of my brain, which I think all of us have, that uh, can say some pretty terrible things, you know, stuff that I would mm-hmm. never say to a friend. Right. But I'll say it to myself. 
I know. Uh, I have to counter that with the more positive things. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if you spoke to your friends the way you spoke to yourself, you wouldn't have any friends. Yes. I'm speaking personally. I can be real hard on myself. I know you can be really hard on yourself. But if you ever talk that way to friends, you may not have any. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure for a fact I, I would not have very many friends if I uh, called them the things I call myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sometimes think I'm not that bright. And I might be correct about that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but well, the way that, that I express my... it to myself is rough, yeah. 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 That gets back to my other point where you have to be okay with saying, I don't know. I think we live in a world of everyone has to know exactly what they're talking about all the time, which just can't be done. So often I have to say, I don't know. And that's hard for me to say because I wished at times I was smarter. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's we used to see this with the celebrities that had to opine on everything. And I always thought, why do you think you know everything? Is it because you're rich and famous ergo successful and so successful people must be smart everybody must hear everything they have to say about everything and uh, but maybe we got it just from the, the way we watch the news everybody's an expert you know and it's it's funny how the news person brings on an expert and says well here's my theory do you agree with me I said, well, I don't know if, isn't that you brought the expert on to say please tell me what 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 you know because I don't know those are hard words to say. Mm-hmm. Apparently, apparently, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there yeah. is, there is humility in just saying I don't know. And if you say I don't know, you can also follow it up with I will do whatever I can to kind of research an answer for you and get back to you. I always think that's the very helpful thing to do when you're uh, talking to someone and maybe they're, you're having a conversation about your faith, and they ask you a question that you can't answer as much as you would love to have an answer in the moment. You don't. So mm-hmm. uh, you just say, I, d- I don't know that, but I, I know how to find uh, an answer and I'll get back to you with it. And I think that also shows that you want to continue the conversation. You're willing to follow up. And that's always a good thing. And you're also laying you know, out that it's a continual learning process because that Bible is so rich. It has yeah. so much and there's, there's so much depth to get into that you say, I, I'm still learning. That's the fun of it. Yeah. Well, I was getting prepared for uh, coming up our next segment on the Monday Afternoon Mix. We're going to talk about when Jesus cast the demons into the pigs. And again, I learned so much that I didn't know until today. So there you go. I mean, it's always, you're always learning. Uh, if you get into God's Word, you will never, ever run dry. It is one book you can uh, enjoy the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and well should. It's, yeah. it's definitely rich. So here, here, by the way, I just because I always like to leave people with an interesting thought and observation. Today I was listening to regular music radio, and they were giving away Paul McCartney tickets. And uh, then at the end they said, must be 18 to win. And I thought to myself, are there a whole lot of people under the age of 50 trying to win Paul McCartney tickets? <laughs> <laughs> must be 18. Good point. Yeah. Good point. All oh. right. Thanks, Patrick. We'll see you next week. Thanks. See you then. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my guest to get things started. Coming up next, the Monday Afternoon Mix, Pastor David Miles, Rosie B, and Demons Going Into Pigs. That's next.
That is the sound that we're looking forward to hearing on Monday because that means it is time for the Monday mix, mix, afternoon mix 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 mix, 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 with Pastor David Miles, who's pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and also adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern and Rosie B. That's the three. Let's get at it, it is. ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Happy Monday, everybody. Yeah, happy Monday to you. Right? Yeah. Beautiful yeah. Monday today. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I, would, I was talking about how we're going to talk about a legion of demons into a herd of pigs today. It's going to be good. I think so. But um, so for this weekend, anybody uh, grill out? Mm, no, I didn't no? grill out. No grilling Did out? Did you? Um, yeah, had had burgers, you know. Nummy. They nice. were like super, and, and like burgers we make, we kind of put like eggs and like crackers and Lowry's and pepper. Oh, yeah. And then a little bit of um, barbecue sauce and, and things like that and make them into these patties. And yeah, they're, they're pretty much really, really good grub. That sounds, that sounds good. ridiculously good. It does. It does sound good. And so like, I don't know, guys, like barbecue, some things that come to mind are like barbecue ribs and mm-hmm. pork chops and things like that. And and you know it's it's summertime, and so when we think about that, we think of all the good things surrounding pork, which comes from pigs. But as we pick up today um, in our sermon on the mount, uh, you know we're going to be talking about some pigs and some dogs, and it's really a fascinating look at it because um, sometimes our view of like pigs have been I might be I might be dating myself here. But back to the days of Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. <laughs> I don't know where yeah. you're going with this, well, David. It's, but, but it's the idea, you know, it's like a pig with pearls and just... Oh, but when sure. Jesus gets into the passage sure. today in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he paints an entirely different picture. And so, you know, Bill, we're in uh, Matthew 7. You want to pick us up in verse 6? We're going to just sit on one verse today. Well, I, I can do that, but before I do that, if I want to sound older than you, I can pretty easily. You talk about Kermit the Frog. I can talk about Arnold the Pig on Green Acres. Oh, I loved Arnold oh. the Pig from Green Acres. Green Acres is the, the place, place to, to be. be. <laughs> do, 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 do. I'm living. Okay, sorry. Hijacked. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, yeah. I'm, go ahead, Bill. No, I'm I'm in I'm in chapter seven. Well, before you jumped in, I was going to say that um, my wife Tammy, you know, she grew up in Cullum, North Dakota, nice German, Swedish community, and growing up, she had a pet pig, you know, and uh, you know, she'd say it was dear to her and stuff, and you know, eventually something happened to the pig. I'm not exactly sure, you know, anyone ever like told her, but at least when we got married, she didn't have it. So, ooh, ooh, that's. <laughs> That does not sound like it went well for the pig. Yeah, I think he was still little, so I think he might have, you know, been sent somewhere to grow up and yeah. <laughs> right, right. digressing. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. Bill, segue to you, bud. <laughs> All right, Matthew 7, what verse? Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Verse 6, do not give uh, dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, this, when you first like read this um, and you're hearing it said, it seems pretty startling language to come from the lips of Jesus. 
I mean, like earlier uh, last week, we were talking about verse 7, verse 1, judge not lest you be judged. Uh, for with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. And so, you know, it seems kind of weird that Jesus is like, uh, don't cast your, uh, you know, your what, give what holy to the dogs and pearl before swines. And, you know, one of the things I have to remember that Jesus, even in his outspokenness, uh, he called Her- Herod Antipas, he called him a fox, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he called the Pharisees and scribes whitewashed tombs and a brood of vipers. And so what Jesus is doing here, he's affirming that there are certain human beings who act like animals and may therefore be accurately be designated as dogs and pigs. You know, that's one of the things that remember noting uh, John Stott as one of the New Testament theologians talking a little bit about this. Now, time out for a moment. This doesn't mean like go and call your friends dogs and pigs, you know, so that type of thing, because he's saying don't cast these things before and so what's happening here is that there's a there's a healthy balance that needs to be held here, guys. The idea is that if we are called not to judge others, finding fault with them um, by censoring them or condemning them or damning them in a hypocritical way, we're not to ignore their faults either and pretend that everyone's the same. Um, I like what Charles Spurgeon says, both extremes are to be avoided. The saints are not judges, but the saints are not simpletons either. And if we're going to be about in love removing um, a log or a speck from a brother's eyes, uh, a true brother in Christ, you know, will will really appreciate um, our, our input. And the truth is we've kind of all learned from experience. Not everyone's appreciative or grateful for criticism or correction, even when it's helpful to us. I have one word that comes to mind with this passage based on the fact about the judgment with your brothers, you know, right before the verses one through five, right before it. And the only thing I can think of is discernment because you you have to discern if somebody is ready, you know, where they're at. You also have to discern if somebody's heart is hard and the holiness of the gospel is going to be turned inside out and they're they're not you know willing to receive what you have to say anyway so discernment and how do you, we get that david you are bug you are like bullseye oh is that um, it good yeah because like um in proverbs in proverbs 9 8 uh you know you get this distinction between the wise man and the fool and it says do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you reprove a wise man and he will love you you know, mm-hmm. so sometimes that humility and that that ability, and some even as we're talking, we're thinking of people um, outside of us. But it's important for us to be asking ourselves: How well do we receive correction? How well do we receive, you know, even critique or criticism? And not all of it's like bad. Like some of it, it it's meant to you know hurt, but some some of it's meant in a loving way, like a skilled surgeon's knife to cut infection out of us in areas that we can't see. Mm-hmm. So how good are we at um, receiving that that correction and that um, even that constructive criticism? Well, it seems like it has to be based on relationship, right? Like how do you know when to bring a spoonful of honey, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're talking to somebody about Christ, I'm pretty sure the, the, the you know, um, in Colossians it says you pray for the 
doorways to speak the mysteries of Christ. I don't think the doorways are, you loathsome mm-hmm. sinner, you know, God would spit you out right now doing this. I think it's different, right? You know, don't we have to have relationship first? Yeah. And you picked up here, um, Rosie, another f- beautiful um, passage that just complements that uh, is First Peter 3. It says, now, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Verse 15 is the point here. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. But this idea of responding with gentleness and respect, and um, it's really key now because there's there's more been, being written and discussed about how um, people are feeling like, you know, to be people of this time that you have to almost set aside biblical principles in interpersonal relationship with other people. And so they're feeling like you can say whatever you want to someone. And it's like, nah, biblically, no, no, we we can't. You know, um, we can do that. But if we're seeking to say, God, be honored and glorified in my life, um, no, we're not going to slander. No, we're not going to malice. No, we're not just going to, you know, angrily call names, even if those around you are doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part of... When people ask you for the hope that you have, as you're saying, Rosie, um, doing it with gentleness and respect. I also think when we talk about this feedback, uh, and Todd Mulliken, who's a regular guest on the show, says, always do your best to speak without being offensive and to listen without being defensive. I think it is a two-way street, and Mm -hmm. I think there's responsibility that we both have that if you do offer feedback... Uh, you do it with gentleness, kindness, and love and truth, and that we can say, "I think I'm being. Um, I think someone's bringing me valuable feedback right now. I need to listen and not be defensive." It's so good to be able to do that, and so hard in the moment if yeah, if the is. feedback is, you know, is uh, that that log in your eye that you've been trying to deal with for so long. <laughs> Right. And so that's it's difficult. But that's, again, you know, going back to the relationship and trusting. I I don't think we can um, ignore the word brother in um, verse three. It's such a strong word for this because we really have to be able to sift. Are you are you judging somebody? Are you bringing them something um, that's going to be beneficial to them out of the right motive? Right. And so I know that we're kind of going back versus staying in, in verse six, but that's the difference, though, because if you don't know somebody, then you're not going to go up and say, hey, you were doing this. It's, it's going mm-hmm. to it's going to create all those responses, Bill, that you talked about. It'll be defensive. But if they're your brother, if you have relationship, then it's going to land and have and prove fruitful. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. When I was at North Dakota State University up in the great state of North Dakota, Fargo, uh, you know, 
being in campus ministries, being a student athlete, sharing my faith, you know, one of the most incredible times of, of having gospel conversations was when uh, preachers from outside of the university would come and they'd stand on the courtyard and they would basically preach hell and brimstone and, you know, they're calling girls names that is not really uh, winsome. And, and I remember sitting in the student union with a friend of mine and she was in tears because she's just like, is this, you know, like, it wasn't like really computing. She was being more defensive, but she was broken that this mm-hmm. person that she didn't really know was cascading her in some of the most vile terms, but hadn't walked with her. Right. And so it led to opportunities to really unpack the gospel and still say, yeah, you know, we are all sinners. We have all sinned. Um, but doing that out of the context of relationship. Um, and and that's part of us having a relationship with people around us. If we, if we, as one person says, if we wake up in the morning and, you know, we get in our cars and as wonderful it is, we turn on Christian talk radio, you guys are listening to us and that, but then you get to work and you go immediately to your cubicle and you shut yourself in and then you go to lunch and you just sit with people who are believers like you. And then you go back to your cubicle, then you go home, get in your car, drive home and then pull in your garage and be like, you know, Jesus said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount that we are salt. And one thing I love about grilling is I love Lowry's seasoned salt. Oh, my goodness. I love it. You are making me hungry for it. (laughs) And see, there's there's nothing that Lowry's is doing when it stays in that container. But when you spread it on that meat and it just gets in there, just snacks right in there and gets all juicy and gets mm-mm good, <laughs> that's the purpose of salt. Salt was meant to season. And we are meant as well to season the world around us. And I thought, David, you wanted to continue being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All this talk about food is making me, I don't know if I can have you back. Killing me with this description of these grilling food that you're Maybe he has the hamburgers in a lunchbox or something for us or something. Let's hope he can start sharing. Uh, Let's take a little break. We'll continue the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We'll be right back. The Monday Afternoon Mix, Pastor David Miles, Rosie B, talking about little pigs today. And it's been uh, interesting, uh, David, as we talk about uh, your grill food, which is making all of us hungry. So thanks for doing that. Let's get back to uh, the passage in Scripture. Yeah, so we're, we're having this conversation about dogs and even of pigs and, you know, when Jesus is speaking of dogs, it's it's not the kind of nice, well-behaved lap dogs that are in most people's home, but these were wild dogs. They were vagabonds. They were, they were mongrels. I mean, like, they scavenged the city, 
and just went through the dumps. And the pigs were unclean animals, I mean, to Jewish people. And not only that, but they, you know, they love mud and dirt. And, and if we think back to the story of the of the, uh, the prodigal son in Luke 15, you know, the, the point that Luke is making in that is his condition was so bad that he sought to eat the leftover pods that the pigs ate because it was considered um, that Jews didn't touch pigs. And, and there was such just an uncleanliness uh, to them, that, to swine. And, uh, you know, we use English idioms like that person as being boorish in their behavior, you know. And so it wasn't seen as a positive thing. Yeah, and when I think of that, Jesus casting the uh, demons into the herd of pigs, and, and the Bible really doesn't explain to us Jesus' reasoning, uh, but it does display his sovereign power over demons. And, it you know, if the pigs' owners were Jews, then Jesus, you know, he, he could have been rebuking them for violating Mosaic law, um, which would forbid the Jews from keeping or eating these unclean animals. Um but if the if they were uh, if the swine herders were Gentiles, then you know what Jesus was using this incredible event to show them um, the evil spirits were under his influence. So it uh, is an interesting uh, animal that God used, and it's a beautiful illustration the way God Jesus can use the Jews or the Gentiles and have the same. Uh, the same message available to both Jews and Gentiles regarding the, the pigs. Yeah, and one of the pictures that's being given here is even the idea of of people um, being unbelievers, because for a number of Jewish people, uh, they would they would consider they they'd say you know Gentiles uh, were considered dogs, and you see that in various passages like Matthew fifteen twenty six and twenty seven. Paul talks about it in Philippians 3, 2, um, you know, those those dogs. And so it's being used in this way. Um, but as Christians, we don't view people in this contemptuous way because we know that people are made in the image of God. So, so we have to look a little bit more deeper in this. And the command here that we should not give what is holy and not throw our pearls before swine, it's kind of a, it's a really like stark uh picture that's playing for the modern, the first century here, because no Jew would ever, or let's put it this way, they would never hand holy food to unclean dogs, you know, mm-hmm. um, holy food, even to imagine passing the, uh, the, uh, the Passover loaf to dogs, or let's put it in a way that we can understand because a number of people will be going to weddings. Could you imagine just like the great Dane coming to the bridal table and someone just handing the birth, you know, the wedding cake to that person, like people would not be like, "Oh, that's so cute." Mm-hmm. People would say, "Like, what in the world is going on?" Well, I think this is the importance. You know, Bill talks about this often with his guests um, about the importance of understanding the significance for the Jewish people reading this at the time, because anybody re- hearing Jesus talk about this, they would they would feel the abruptness of what Jesus was saying. They would, they would know that he was talking about his brethren um, with, you know, when you're talking to your friend or your fellow um, churchgoer, that someone you have relationship with, that that's very starkly different than approaching somebody with the same sort of intention for um, 
pointing out something that they are doing that you have no relationship with that may be completely unwelcoming to the gospel. And, and doesn't he show us that? I mean, he talks to the woman at the well, and then when Pontius Pilate is ans- asking him questions, he stops talking. Right? He's not going to try to defend himself. He knew already the heart and the condition. So I feel like um, this particular part of the Sermon on the Mount is just profoundly important to understand the time that they were in. Because mm-hmm. those people hearing this would go, oh, yes, just like you said, David, oh, yes, we would never do that. Yeah, and Jesus later picks up this beautiful picture about the great pearl of price, how the person mm-hmm. sells everything that they have uh, to go get it. And in ways, it is this beautiful picture about salvation and the gift that it is and the importance of it. And and so at sometimes, like, we have, we're finite, we're limited in, in our time, um, here on this on this earth, God, we have what God has for us, and sometimes you know when you're having conversations, and it's it's not really going anywhere, mm-hmm. and um, and so sometimes having the wisdom to know, uh, not to be casting the pearls of that uh, before people, because there are there are people who are desperately hung, hungry and desiring to hear the gospel, and so. Um, I think it's I think it's really important for us to be circumspect. I mean, so mm-hmm. this has in mind the, the the person whose heart is so hard that when you're when you're sharing with them and you're sharing it, it's really kind of like it's the hard packed soil of Matthew thirteen. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that you give up on them? No. I mean, you still commit to prayer, and you pray Second uh, Corinthians four four that the, that God would open the eyes of those blinded by the God of this world to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, But sharing the gospel and spreading that message with people around you and having wisdom in that. Well, I think, too, it's also understanding where somebody, the Lord might have taken you, you know, in a particular pathway in your journey in understanding him. And if you are bringing the gospel to somebody at their very first blush, you're not going to bring everything the Lord's taught you over 20 years. You start where he started with you. You know, you start with concepts of, of his love and his character versus can we talk about, you know, the Immaculate Conception of Christ, right? Like there's some things that are just a little bit further down the road in our understanding when we're sharing the gospel. Yeah, and, you you know, Rosie, you're looking at someone who's done that. and you Me too. That's how it. I could say it. Yeah. I mean, like I came across um, as we were cleaning some stuff and putting stuff in storage, came across a note of uh, when I worked one time and co-worker and another co-worker had asked me a, you know a question about the gospel and like I am I just backed up the entire dump truck with the rail cars bringing in more soil and just like kept just kept going and it was like that was a little much yeah me too me too done it so many times now I ask the Lord just to have an angel army sit on my tongue yeah it's so good we all can learn from that and we've all shown up overzealous and we don't always know what the person needs at the time they they always appreciate someone who listens someone who cares someone who is loving and i don't think we uh, are ever not planting a seed when we bring that to the table yeah and i think just continuing to have a heart for people because if we look at our lives um we have well i can't speak for other people but have I always been the most receptive? I mean, like, even as, as an unbeliever. And I remember one of our, our um, youth workers, uh, 
who went to our, you know, the brother went to our high school. And I just remember him lovingly trying to encourage me BC before Christ. And there was times where I, where I, I accepted and there's times where I was just like, whatever. Um, and so he didn't give up. And so I think we're, if you're listening right now trying to say, okay, what's the silver bullet? Like, when do I know? When do I not know? Really, here, here's the silver bullet. A daily, moment-by-moment walk with Jesus where you're leaning on him, trusting the Holy Spirit, asking God's word to guide us and to open opportunities. And when you're in those opportunities, being sensitive and saying, God, please speak in and through, and most of all, in spite of me, may you shine forward brightly in this. And so, again, as we we talk about on Mondays, this is really about a walk with Jesus, a real walk with Jesus that's seven days a week all Mm -hmm. through the year. Yeah, David, thank you. Rosie, thank you. We started with uh, one verse out of Matthew 7, and that was quite a smorgasbord of ideas we covered today. That was uh, quite interesting. Indeed. <laughs> thank, it was great. Thank you for that. Yeah, we'll take a little break. That's all for Monday Afternoon Mix today. When we come back, Jack Countryman's going to join us. He's written a book called The Power of Hope, 100 Devotions to Build Your Faith. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.